Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. We talked about at the beginning of the year, and we came around this idea of so, that we thought, man, if we could just allow God to take root into our heart, and that we will begin to bear fruit, which according to Jesus, was so important. It was one of the most important things that we could do is what identifies us as being a Jesus follower by the, by the fruit that we, we bear. And so, and also, he, Jesus said, man, this is what makes God happy. This is what gives God glory. And so we decided, you know what, let's sow the seed of God's word into the good soil of our heart. Let it take root so that it will begin to bear fruit. Hopefully, that was something that you were, even though all the craziness of, of this year, that was something that you were still committed to do. And I hope that that was for you. And we looked at, you know, Galatians 5 when talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul, the Apostle Paul says, hey, you know what? this is the kind of fruit that God wants to produce in you, but you got to allow it to take root into your heart. And, and he says he wants to, it to produce love in you and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and and he goes on and says even gentleness and and self-control which is we're going to talk about that but this is what is possible this is what was possible for you and this is what's still possible for you but also what is possible for us in what sometimes I don't know reared its ugly head in this year was it was a possibility that we could have allowed some other things to take root into our heart you know things like anger and things like bitterness and things like resentment and, and jealousy. And we could have allowed the circumstances and the experiences of, of this year to bring about animosity within our marriage relationships or with our children. Or maybe it was something a result of, because of this year, some financial hardship that you came, uh, uh, you know, we're dealing with and the struggles of, of that and you were trying to navigate through that and work through that and it created maybe some sort of uh, habit or uh, even a, an addiction that in, in your life that you just haven't been able to shake. So uh, certainly we believe that a lot could have happened this year and, and my prayer is, is that maybe for you there's still time and there's always still time for all of us to allow God to do a work in our hearts and to allow God to produce fruit in us that only he can produce. And so, man, I think for right now, if even for you, if you're like, man, I don't know if I have loved like the way that I was supposed to love and had the kind of joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the gentleness that I should have been expressing and exhibiting in my life, but there's still time for all of us to get this right. There's still time. There's still a new year, a fresh start, a new beginning for all of us. So if we sort of wrap up this year and we start thinking about next year, there's still time for us to, to be able to, to turn the ship around and to allow God to do a work. And I believe that one of those things is, is for us to have some self-control. And so that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, the idea of sowing self-control. How do we sow self-control? You see, the issue with sowing and reaping are oftentimes, you know, it's not the sort of the immediate 
gratification or, you know, the immediate results that we want. We live in a culture and a world of, of you know, instant and, and have to have it now. And we sort of live in this microwave kind of a culture and we have to have it quick and soon. I, I know for me and my home, we, you know, bought one of these air fryers and, and man, this has really just changed our cooking and eating world in our home. You know, we got this thing and it just cuts down like half the time of putting things in the oven. You can now put it in this air fryer and it really just cuts down on the time. And that makes me happy. Why? Because I can have my food sooner than later. And that's the kind of culture that we live in. One of the other things that we discovered was is that we have this refrigerator. And our refrigerator, you sort of have this nozzle that you can push your cup against it and it, water comes out of it. Well, periodically, it would freeze up. And the water, the water inside the, the line would freeze up. And we didn't really know what to do. And so we would have to have a repairman come out. And a repairman would come out. And we would have to pay him a certain amount of money, uh, you know, for, to, for them to, to thaw our, our, our freezer so that we can get water to come out. I know, these are first world problems. I, I understand. So I was going through and looking through a, a better, easier, quicker, and mo- better, better cost-efficient solution to this. Mostly it was just more of a time-efficient solution to this. So I found what's called this ice surrender. And for like $10 on Amazon, we got this thing, this ice surrender, and you just sort of stick up the hose through the nozzle and you push hot water up through there and you do it a few times and it thaws the water. I mean, talk about one of the most amazing inventions. It looked so simple. I felt like I could have bought something and made it for like two dollars but it was worth the ten dollars just to have it on hand so that every time my water froze in my my refrigerator freezer I could just thaw it with this why is because it was a quick fix a quick fix this is always the issue when it comes to change in our life we always want a quick fix we want the immediate results we we don't want to wait for them but when it comes to sowing, when it comes to reaping, when it comes to allowing God's word to take root into our heart and produce fruit in us, it takes time. It's a process. It's, it, it's like Legos. It takes one piece at a time and you have to build one after another, after another, after another, after another. And hopefully you have the patience enough and the self-control enough to be able to see the end results. I started trying to do some running again. And it's been some, some a few years since I was taking up running. I like to do some biking. But I, I thought, well, I want to you know, see if I can get out and start running again. Well, I tried to get out and run a little bit. But I ended up realizing that I was doing a lot of walking. And then after a while, I'm doing some walking, some, some of those you know, fast walking kind of a thing. I started to build up some strength again and, and ability again to be able to now, I would start to be able to rock, which was mostly walking. Walking, but I would be able to work in a little bit of a, a run. And then over time, what happened was, is I went from walk to rock to rock, uh, if that's how you say that. And it was like I was able to run a little bit more. So I'm now going from only walking to 
25% of the time, now I'm able to run. Now 50% of the time, I'm able to run. And, and the other 50% of the time is, is walking. And to, to where now I can runk a little, you know, I can now have mostly about 75% of the time I'm running and 25% of the time I'm walking. But ultimately the goal is to just run, right? That's ultimately the goal. It's a process. It's a process. This is when it comes to anything, when it comes to health, spiritual life, financial life, relationships, it's always gonna be a process and we must have self-control in it. In order for us to go from walking to now I'm running, man, it's going to require self-control. What is self-control? Here's how we're going to define self-control. It's giving up the good for the great. It's giving up the good for the great. It's, in other words, like we said in the opening, it's choosing to do the right thing when the wrong thing is more tempting it's saying, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. I know this is the right thing. I know this is what's good for my health. I know this is what's good for my spiritual life. I know this is going to be good for my finances. I know this is going to be good for my relationship. Even though the wrong thing, and let's be honest, we live in a world that's broken, even though the wrong thing oftentimes is just more tempting. So how do we choose to do the right thing? Well, Peter helps us understand what it looks like to choose to do the right thing even when the wrong thing is more tempting. And here's what Peter says to a group of people who are so tempted, just like you and me, to sort of fly off the handle, lose control of our life, let things that we know that are wrong dictate and control and determine the direction and the course of our life. Peter says, this is what we ought to do so that we choose to do the right thing even when the wrong thing is more tempting. Here's what he says. Look what he says. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, I want you to fix your hope completely. Not some of the way, not a little of the way, not most of the way, but he says completely. In other words, fully, all the way, 100%. The goal is 100% of hope. Fix your hope completely on what? On the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says, look what he says in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. You remember when before Christ, or you remember in times in our life when we just sort of did things that we look back at our life and we think, oh, I'm not really that proud of that. We look back at our life and we, we, we remember stories or situations or experiences or, or places that we found ourselves and we thought to ourselves, man, that is just embarrassing. I don't want anybody to know that story. I don't want anybody that to come to the surface. I don't want really to be reminded of that. And you just remember how ignorant we were and how ignorant we were. He says, listen, we have to always be careful that we don't Go, we are not conformed to the former lusts. Or the word lust means, you know, desires or ambitions or things that are wrong for us in our life, even though they seem to be more tempting. He says, I don't want to be conformed to those lusts that what, what, what I once did 
when I was ignorant. And so here's what Peter is saying to all of us. Here's what he's saying. He's saying the game of life with God is to set your hope on his grace. So if we think in terms of life as a game, I know it doesn't seem like a game. It's not something to be treated lightly. But just think of it in these terms. The game of life with God is, is this, to set your hope on his grace. To set your hope, not some of the way, not a little of the way, but fully, 100%. The game of life with God is to set your hope, fix your hope, all of your hope on his grace. And so just like in any game, there needs to be a goal. Just like in any game, there needs to be a goal. And so what is the goal? The goal of life with God is for yourself to be holy in his grace. So if the game is, the game is I'm setting my hope on his grace. I'm setting my hope on his grace. The goal then with God is for you to be holy in his grace. How do we know that? Because here's what Peter says next. First Peter 1.15. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. He's like, just like Jesus, who was the Holy One, he called you, he forgave you, he brought you out of, de- out of darkness and into life, he brought you out of death and gave you life, just like he did that, he called you to be, he says, I, he expects the, the expectation for those who have been called out of darkness and into light, the expectation is, is for you, yourself, also in all your behavior to be holy. That's the goal of your life. That's the goal. The game, set your hope on his grace, his un merited favor on us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He gave us a gift of his grace named Jesus. We received that by faith. And because of that, we're brought out of darkness and into light. And the goal is to be like him. And if we're not deliberate with that, If we are not deliberate, we will be easily distracted. If we're not deliberate with that, we are going to be so easily distracted. We have to be deliberate about wanting and desiring to reach the goal that God has for us, and that is to be holy. That is to be holy. And in order for that to happen, we have to have some self-control. If we're not deliberate, we will be easily distracted. We will set our hope. This is important. We will set our hope on something else other than his grace. And therefore, we'll miss the goal of what God has for us. Self-control is so important to this. So Peter helps us and he helped them understand what does this look like? What does this look like? Here's what he says Way back to verse 13, he says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. 
In other words, if you're not deliberate, you're going to get distracted. So just like when you get ready to do a workout or you get ready to do, you know, some cleaning, you have to, or painting or something along those lines, you have to be deliberate and prepare yourself for that particular task, right? So if I'm going to go do a go on a run or go for a bike ride, most likely these are not the clothes that I'm going to be wearing. I'm not going to wear jeans. I'm not going to wear a flannel to go and do a workout. I have to intentionally prepare myself in order for me to take action with something, in order for me to get the workout. The King James Version says it this way. It says, Gird up the loins of your mind. I know, it sounds, what, that, what that means was, was this, is that they would wear these long drapery kind of tunic looking kind of outfits. And when they would go out on the battlefield, they would have to sort of tuck in, they would have to tuck in their, their baggy, you know, garb so that they could, you know, be able to run and to, and to fight and to take the action necessary to win on the battlefield. This is the mindset that Peter's telling us to have. He's saying, listen, you're, you need to know that, that when it comes to self-control and when it comes to playing the game of life that God has set before you, and that is to set your hope, set your hope on his grace and to reach the goal. What is the goal? To become holy, just like he, the holy one is holy. He says, that's the goal. So in order for that to happen, you need to prepare Ready yourself for action. So prepare for the challenge first for the comfort that follows. This is essentially what he's saying. Prepare for the challenge first for the comfort that follows. So when it comes to uh, your health, okay? When it comes to, you know, your, your physical, you know, body, you need to prepare for the challenge first for the comfort that follows. So in other words, you have to, be willing to sacrifice, you know, some particular foods or you have to be willing to sacrifice some time on the couch of watching TV or scrolling through your social media, you know, accounts and, you know, posting things. And, and so you'd have to be willing to sacrifice something in order for you to get ready to do some sort of workout or, 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 or begin some sort of diet regimen. It it's begins with the challenge first so that later on what will happen is you'll have the comfort of healthiness to follow. For example, another example is spiritual, your spiritual growth. Sometimes we have to get up early and set our alarm early, and we need to, you know, set aside some time to, to give to the Lord. Why? We prepare for the challenge first. We get up early. We carve out time that we would normally give it to checking emails or returning voicemails or, 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 or you know, go researching stuff, you know, for, for work purposes. We'd have to get rid of, sacrifice some of those things in order for us to have the comfort of a better relationship with God. Financially, sometimes we need to sacrifice, you know, overtime at work or sacrifice those extra hours at work so that you can spend those times at home with your family, with your kids. You need to say, I know, I, mean, it's the, I, I need the overtime. I need the extra money. I, I, get, I get that. But sometimes when it comes to wanting the things that are most important, 
and the comfort that comes with the things that are most important, it requires for the challenge to happen first. We have to look at it. So preparing, preparing involves the challenge first for the comfort that follows. And that requires us to have delay in gratification, to delay the gratification, right? It's like, instead of saying, I want the immediate results now, I've got to have this now, we delay the gratification and we put in the challenges, we put in the work, we, we prepare our minds, we prepare our minds for action so that we can have the comfort that comes later. We delay the gratification. Why? Because that's what gives us the self-control that we need. And that allows God to produce things in us that we can't produce on our own. So he says, prepare your minds for action. So then he goes on to say this. 1 Peter 1, 13, he also says this. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And then he's looking, he says, keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in spirit. So, what does he mean by this? Here's what he means. Keep from drinking in things that distort spiritual reality and diminish, diminishes truth. Keep from drinking in things that distort spiritual reality and diminishes truth. In other words, don't let into your thought process. Don't let into your, your heart and your mind things that potentially could distort your spiritual reality. Because that's ultimately what happens when it comes to alcohol. This is what he's describing. He's describing the idea of, he's saying, keep sober, keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in your mind and in your heart. Because what happens is just like alcohol, it's like just takes one and then two and then three and then over time you're intoxicated. It just starts out with one and then you add and add and add and add and ultimately your, your reality becomes distorted and the truth diminishes. That's what happens. That's the nature of how it works when it comes to being intoxicated with, with alcohol or intoxicated with a substance that ultimately distorts the reality. And this is what happens when it comes to our life, when it comes to, you know, sexual sexuality, when it comes to some of our habits and our hobbies and the things that we participate in and the things that we watch and the, and the things that we, you know, take in. What is happening is, is it, it keeps us from keeping our and setting our hope on his grace, and it diminishes that grace. It diminishes that truth. It shifts our focus off. It sets our view on something else instead of on his grace. And you'll never reach your goal of being holy because we've allowed things into our minds. We've allowed things into our hearts that distort and diminish his truth. This is what happens. It's how alcohol works. It's how drugs work. Over, small things over time. Why? Because here's what we know. Small deposits over time accumulate. Small deposits over time accumulate. So you say, well, it's just one image. Or it's just one person. Or it's just this one thing. Or just this, you know, one, you know, time of, you know, of 
you know, neglecting family or relationships and, and things. It, it's, it's just this one small thing. Well, small deposits over a long period of time, eventually they accumulate. And this is why Peter is saying you need to keep sober. Keep sober. Don't let small deposits over time accumulate. Because what will happen when it comes to the game of life with God is that your, hope will, your, your life will no longer be set on hope in his grace. It will be set on something else. And you'll never reach the goal of being holy. And so that's why it requires all of us to have this kind of self-control. The kind of self-control that says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to let myself be delayed in that gratification. I'm going to prepare my mind for action. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take on the challenges first in life. I'm going to put everything out on the table relationally first so that I can have the comfort of knowing that I, we've, our relationship are as transparent as we possibly can. This is so critical, so important with self-control. It's the preparing first. It's keeping sober, not allowing anything to enter our minds and enter our heart that will shift our focus on what it should be focused on, and that's his grace. If we do, we'll miss the goal. We'll miss the goal. Small deposits over time accumulate. I know this firsthand. Um, we drink a lot of sodas and different kinds of fruity drinks that have, you know, return ability with them, and, um, and so my house and, and um, <laughs> Be honest with you, the church garage <laughs> looks a lot like these this bags of, of re bottle returns right here is because there's so many. Uh, I don't even know what to do with them anymore. And this is the lesson that I had to learn the hard way is that small deposits over time accumulate. This is this is the what happens to all of us. And so we we know this firsthand. So when it comes to spiritual things, this is a good thing. When it comes to the things of God, this is a good thing. That means when, you know, you take a little bit of time each morning to, to say some prayers and, and to read your Bible and, and, and to do a devotion, it's these small deposits over time, they will accumulate to where you'll be uh, an incredible person for God. As a matter of fact, we know from the Christmas story uh, that we've been looking at over the last few weeks, and, and even in Micah 5-2, right? But as for you, Bethlehem Epathra, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From, from you, one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. What is this? This is a small thing that God used in an incredible way. This is a small thing that God built and used in an amazing, an amazing way. I mean, from small beginnings, God can use some, do some great things. I mean, you think about um, these corporations and these businesses that we use a lot. And they, they started in, in very, very humble means. Many of them started in these garages. And they started in very, very small things. I mean, you know, back in the early 90s, a couple guys started this uh, computer company uh, just out of their garage. And, and now it's just grown into and accumulated into just this massive corporation. You probably recognize this logo there. 
And so from, from very small means, it's grown and accumulated. This is what God can do. Now, it can have the negative effect if we allow things in our life that are wrong, even though they may be more tempting, but it can have the positive effect as well. Another uh, corporation that started um, from, from the very humble means of a, of a garage um, and it was a couple guys that began to work out of their uncle's garage and began to film animated films uh, out of there and you probably recognize this one just out of some small humble beginnings uh, Disney has become massive that we uh, love and then the, another one that started out of a garage uh, was a guy who thought that there was a, a market for books. And so in Bellevue, Washington, uh, out of his garage, he began to build the, um, the, the, the software for, uh, for Amazon and to sell books in that way. So this is, this is what God can do. God can take small things, small things. And here's the, here's the principle. It's the small things that no one sees. It's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things everyone needs that's what can do what God can do in your life but you've got to prepare prepare your mind for action and you got to keep sober in your spirit you got to prepare in other words put in the work put in the time put in the sacrifice on the front end so that on the back end there's comfort and there's joy and there's peace and there's self-control putting in the hard work at the front end so then on the other side, there's the enjoyment of, of experiencing all the good things that, that are result from that. And so it's the small things that no one sees that results in the big things everyone needs. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. He says, yeah, all of us compete. All of us are in this race, but only one receives a prize. So run, let's, let's decide to run in a way that you may win, that give yourself the best chance of winning the goal. In other words, what is the goal? What was the goal for Paul and Peter and you and me? The goal is to be holy. In order for that to happen, we need to, we need to set our, our hope on his grace and, and we need self-control for that to happen. And that's what Paul says. Look what he says next. He says, and everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. I mean, any athlete that competed in these games, he said, they, they sacrificed, you know, late night out, uh, certain, you know, things that they would put into their body, the amount of time that they spent training. They were willing to Prepare for the challenges first so that they could experience the joy of winning the race. That's what they were willing to do. And they had to exercise self-control in, well, in all things. They had to exercise self-control in their relationships, in their finances, in their health, in their spiritual life, in all things. Then they'd then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we... We, an imperishable. Our race that we're running is so much bigger and better than some wreath or reward or trophy or medal that we can receive on this earth. The race that we're running and the goal of that race is to be holy 
and what we receive is far better. So he says this, verse 26, therefore, I run in such a way as without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. In other words, I have a target. I have a, a goal. I have a, a, an aim, what I'm shooting for, what I'm aiming for. What I'm, I have my, the goal in mind is to be holy. He says, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. In other words, man, I, I have a goal in mind. I have a goal. And the goal is to be holy so that when I'm preaching to others, when I'm sharing my life of Jesus with others, I'm not disqualified. I'm not considered to be eliminated from the game because I prepared my mind for action. I was willing to put the challenges first for the joy and the comfort that would always follow after that. I kept sober. I didn't allow anything to distract me from the goal that I had in mind. And I was willing to discipline myself. I was willing to make self-sacrifices. I was willing to, you know, have self-control over all things in my life. Why? So that I could receive a prize, not that's perishable, but that's imperishable. And ultimately, I knew that the race that was set before me, that I was gonna be willing to do whatever it took to win it. And I didn't wanna be disqualified. So I hope for all of us, I hope for all of us, as we move into a new year, and we hope that it's better, we want it all to be better than 2020. But I hope that you take this opportunity right now to say, you know what, I'm gonna start sowing the seed of self-control in my life. In order for that to happen, I need to prepare my mind for action. In order for that to happen, I need to keep sober. I need to not drink in every tempting thing that comes my way. Instead, I'm gonna put the challenges first. I'm gonna take on the challenges first so that I can have the benefits down the road. I'm gonna discipline my body. I'm gonna make it my slave. So when I'm living my life for Jesus and I'm in the game and I've set my hope on his grace and I'm in the goal of the game and that is to become holy just like he is, be only because of his grace, I'm not gonna be disqualified. I'm not gonna be disqualified. So let's sow the seed of self-control. Let's do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and your kindness and your grace that you've extended to all of us. I pray that because of that grace, that that's we prepare our minds for action, knowing that, that you've provided a way for all of us, a way for all of us to know what it means to have eternal life, to run this race in this life, and to do it with discipline and to do it with self-control so that we receive not a perishable reward, but an imperishable reward reward. And so, Lord, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that there's not a group of us that are disqualified because we decided to give in to the temptation because it looked better, that we, we decided to drink in other things that took our attention away from the hope that we have in your grace, and we lost our sight of the goal because we were 
distracted. So we got to be deliberate. We've got to be intentional about this. Help us as we learn to be and have more self-control. Delay that gratification when when needed. And to realize that what you want to do in us, we can't do on our own. And in order for us to have comfort down the road, we got to put in the challenge first. Prepare our minds and to keep sober so that we can become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.